Welcome to episode 64 of the Pushing Rubber podcast. My name is Adam Pickett, coming to you from the very chilly and cold, cloudy, mist-laden uh, land of the Netherlands, just outside Amsterdam. Um, thanks for joining in with me on this podcast. Um, I've got a few things to talk about today. As as we go to air, as we go to air, President Mugabe... 93-year-old President Mugabe seems like uh, he has been overthrown in the People's Republic of Zimbabwe. Uh, they had to wait till he was 93 uh, and wearing seven pairs of spectacles before they felt safe in uh, getting rid of him. And the only reason he's stepping down, he, ha- he, had, he negotiated for his wife Grace to leave the country and obtain safe haven in neighbouring South Africa, which she has done. So the wife has fled. Mugabe is under lock and key, and the military has taken control of the country. By the way, I have I have no um, I would have no I've got friends in Zimbabwe, uh, rafting, kayaking mates. Um, and I've got a, a, a good number of very good people that I know who used to live in Rhodesia. Uh, I prefer to call it Rhodesia, but I'm calling it now because it's Zimbabwe now because of the political stuff that's going on, to be clear. But uh, Rhodesia is a great example of uh, losing your country very, very fast and going from a place that was working perfectly well for all intended, uh, for all the people there, whether black or white, Uh, or Asian, Indian, as it may be, Um, and it going to hell in a handbasket because of outside progressive leftoid um, interference and they lost their country. And as a result, since Mugabe got power, which is almost as long as I've been alive, honestly, it's over. God, he's been there for almost... It has to be 30 years. Over 30 years. It was the early 80s, wasn't it? So, ooh, yeah, 35 years, almost 40 years. Um, I have, as many for as many Rhodesians that I know and people that I know now who are living there, I have no hope that this is going to work out at all well for um, that country. Um People will say it couldn't have been any worse with Mugabe. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm very happy that he's out of power, but I doubt anything will change. Uh, it's now going to be a scramble amongst some generals about who can get the reins on power, and then they'll, they'll continue the tradition. And uh, it'll be continue to be a backwater. It'll continue to be not able to produce enough food to feed its own people, even though... It was the bread known as literally known as the bread basket of Africa. Uh, it'll probably crack down on the few remaining whites that are there. And really, the only whites who are still there are those ones who are trapped and can't get out because they can't afford it, or they haven't got anywhere to go to, and no one will accept them. Um, like the, the 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 Western press is going on at the moment about these uh, Burmese Muslims, Myanmar, whatever they're called, who are being persecuted, and how the West doesn't care. Well, first of all, if they're Muslims, why isn't the Muslim world giving a shit about them? First of all, why isn't Saudi Arabia up there, you know, leading the charge, or Iran, or you know, these places? Afghanistan. Why isn't Afghanistan sending aid? to these Burmese, so-called Burmese Muslims. And I say so-called, of course, because they were just itinerant workers who came across from Bangladesh to take advantage of uh, the economy in Burma 80 years ago or 100 years ago. And never went back. And the Burmese don't want them. And the Burmese are doing their best to kick them out now that they've uh, finally kicked out their generals. Um, So the Western world is called, why doesn't the media, why doesn't the Western world give a crap about these Muslims? Well, why doesn't the Western world give a crap about uh, white Zimbabweans or white Rhodesians or white South Africans? I linked to a piece on my Friday hot chick of the 
hot hot links and chicks and uh, thread on last Friday about uh, the white genocide that's going on. I mean, there's another in in South Africa. There's no other way to call it. Um, I had to talk um, a relative out, a young relative, young girl, about 21, um, lovely young lady, out of going to do a six-month stage for her university course in Cape Town. Let's talk her out of it. So no, you don't want to do that. You don't want to go there. Um, I had some other people say, no, 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 Cape Town's the only part of... Uh, South Africa that's still okay and then I brought up uh, a recent list of the uh, top 10 most dangerous cities in the world for homicide rates per population and uh, Cape Town uh, was the only one that made the top 10 list out of North and South America Um, interestingly enough one of the top most dangerous cities in the world at this point is Baltimore which also has a gun control policy there you have it but uh, Cape Town made the top 10 list of most dangerous cities in the world. No other city in South Africa did, or the whole of Africa for that matter. Oh, I think Mogadishu might have made it. can't remember. But Cape Town was general, definitely stuck there at the time. So, yeah, Mugabe stepping down, or it says stepping down here, but nah, I, think, uh, I think we know that basically... Um, um, he'll have his head on a pike. If they've got half a brain, he'll have his head on a pike within a week. Like in uh, Yugoslavia when they got rid of Ceausescu and his, and his awful wife. Um, I think they were shot within hours or hung within hours or executed at least within hours. That's, that's the way to do it. Don't give him any, uh, any chance of coming back and causing you problems. Um, so yeah, that's, that's the, the latest news, which has come out. Um, uh, other things is happening. It's been a bit of, uh, for me personally, uh, this weekend has been a bit of an emotional turmoil bit. Um, I'm a... I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan of uh, a blogger, uh, the Z Man. Um, he's also started doing podcasts, but I don't listen to that. But I've been a, a fan of his for about a year, and read read him every day, every day he's posted. Um, I'm also a very big, big, big fan of Vox Day. And I've stated before on the podcast how, how how big a fan I have of Vox. Don't get me wrong, I don't agree with everything that these guys say. Um, but uh, I agree with most of it. But um, up until this weekend, I really respected them as well. I still respect Vox Day. In fact, my respect for him has gone up, if that was uh, um, impossible. I don't think it was possible. Uh, and unfortunately, it's yeah, Z-Man has been caught out um, plagiarising uh, pretty heavily. Not in one of his actual articles, but in a comment he made when he was trying to defend himself because Z-Man basically got science wrong, um, his definition of science, and then spent the post the comments trying to defend himself and doubling down and doubling down and look it's okay to make mistakes like we've all got different areas of expertise i'm no look i'm no i'm no scientist okay uh i'm not even going to pretend that i know anything about science and that's the point um that still leaves me free to, to comment on on things that i want to comment on such as climate change um because it's just an obvious fraud, isn't it? And it has been since day dot. The thing that got me, the thing that got me, the thing in my adult life, I've always been a shit stirrer. I've always been sceptical. I've always been um, very, the first to to um, have a go at authority. But for me in my, in my adult life, the the moment where, I really did 
crossed that point where I was very, very sceptical about official lines was the Y2K bug in the year 2000. For those of you who don't remember, or maybe you weren't even alive when that happened, that was 17 years ago, so there, there could be some of those you listening who weren't actually alive. Oh, there you go. Though I think the average age of people who listen to this podcast is 107 uh, in dog years. Um, so uh, apparently all the computer systems were going to crash as the year went from 1999 to 2000. Planes were going to fall out of the sky and blah, 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 and they spent all... All this money, and literally it was ticking down. And I, I spent New Year's Eve on 1999 to 2000 uh, on an island in the middle of the White Nile. Uh, it was a rafting trip that we'd organised. Um, off my face, I'm really good. Probably the best asset I've ever had in my life. Um, and other substances. Um, so, you know, but no plane fell on us. Nothing happened. It was all a complete... Because they didn't know. They didn't know. That was the whole point. And all the experts. And, 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 and since that point, it was like, as soon as I hear someone's an expert, we got on an expert. It's like an expert's almost like a job description now. You know, um, There was an expert I saw recently I saw it on Facebook. Someone did a thing. Though. He was an expert. It was, a, it was a clip from a TV interview program. He was a garlic bread expert. I shit you not. How about that? How about that? And he was like in his in his late fifties, early sixties. How about that to spend your whole life, you know, going through life, and that's that's what you reached. Garlic bread expert on TV with your bow tie. Holy moly! So the Y two K bug was the uh, the other thing that really shit me was everyone was saying the start of the, the the year two thousand was the start of the twenty first century, and I was just like. I was just like, no, 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 it's not. No, it's not the start of the um, the 21st century. I was just thinking about it. I was just like, 2001 is the start of the 21st century. That was the whole point of that movie, that, you know, Arthur C. Clarke, 2001. It's the next century. 2000 is the end of the 20th century. It's like 100 and then you start again with one. You don't start with zero. It doesn't start with zero. Like we have the year one, one AD. It's one. And then two. And then you get to ten. And then you get to a hundred. A hundred. So the year 2000 was the hundredth year of the century. Because the century is a hundred years. Isn't it? Isn't it? It's 100 years. So 1999 was the 99th year of the 20th century. And then, because it didn't start from zero, people, and then the year 2000 was the 100th year of the 20th century. 100 years in a century. And everyone's going, it's the 21st century. I'm like, no, it's not. It's not. It's not the 21st century. 2001 was the 21st century. It's just, just like Vox Day's got this other little thing that he goes with. Um, it's his assumption. Um, and hang on, I've got to find it here. MPIA. M for Mary, P for Peter, A for Adam, and I for Igloo. MPAI. Which is. Uh, acronym for most people are idiots. Um, I like that. I've I've held to that for for quite a long time. And the thing is, I have the same thing when I'm driving on a, on a road. For me, every other driver is an idiot, and confirmed dangerous to my health and safety. Until proven and demonstrated otherwise. Like I drove down to Maastricht last week, driving down, and the speed limit was 130, so I sit on about 134, 135. If there's cars going faster than that, there's three lanes in either direction, I'll, or four lanes sometimes in either direction. I'll be shoved over. The trucks are on the slow lane, and then you've got... 
The next lane's not so great because some trucks will use that to overtake other trucks. So the third lane across, so we've got four lanes. That's where I'll sit. About four or five clicks just over the speed limit. Shoot, shooting along. Beeping. Giving myself lots of time to see what's going. Keeping an eye on the rear vision mirror. Anticipating lots. If I need to get over, overtake someone, I see it coming up. I'm making the move. I'm making the move early. I'm not waiting until the last fucking minute and suddenly uh, having to pull out in the traffic at 90 kilometers an hour and the traffic's doing 140. Not doing that. So an example of, of, of an idiot that then demonstrates that they're not an idiot was a car that sat with me. A car sat with me, behind me. He was behind me. And he was a fair, he was a safe distance behind me. So... Far enough behind me that if I had a problem, he'd be able to react in time. But not so far behind me that other people could then cut in between the two of us. It's that perfect distance. You're not letting anyone in, but you're giving yourself that time to react if there's a problem in front of you, you hope. And he recognized that I was a competent driver. And he was just like, I'll happily sit behind this guy. And I think I think we kind of trundled along together for for over an hour. I almost I almost wanted to wave to him when he pulled off. It's been fun, you know. You recognise that the other person knows what they're doing, and they recognise that you know what you're doing. You have a nice time. But MPAI, most people are idiots. So if most people are idiots, most corporations are idiots all corporations are idiots because they're made up of most people who are idiots all companies are idiots um unless they've got someone at the top and it's their company not some ceo that's been paid 12 million bucks a year to sit there governments are all idiots everyone's idiots most people are idiots most people are idiots um so basically there's this i would never heard of him before uh a guy called um let's have a look here um david stove um who wrote something called scientific irrationalism and in a uh comment on his own blog with z-man basically copied word for word one of David Stove's passages from the book, a passage found on page one. Um, and yeah, it's it's obvious plagiarism. There was no, he then mentioned the book, but he didn't mention it away like, oh, by the way, this is what Stove said, blah, blah, blah. He, he passed the words off as his own. And he obviously did it because he was in a hole of his own making because he'd said something about science that wasn't correct. And he was trying to dig his way out of it by digging his way out of it and not admitting a mistake or an error. It's very, very foolish to do this on the internet it was very very foolish to do this before the internet but it's just it's just people can just take the words that you've written and just stick them in a search engine they don't even have to if they if they're like oh let's check out if this is oh this sounds good let's check out the bit if these are his words they didn't even have to know in this case who david stove was i could have just done it this guy recognized him you know what i mean it's just like you will be found out you will be found out And this is the, he's, look, I'm on record of saying, I made one of my tenets of the modern man, my traits of the modern man, modern man never apologizes. And there's an, another post here. Uh, oh, no, on, this, on the same thread on Vox Days, there's a comment, let me get to it, comment number 53. I've written this down so it could be some, uh, here we goes. Someone's someone's wrote a comment on on this on this on what Vox had said about this. Life is so much easier when you instantly admit your mistakes. And then someone's 
respond to this is depends on where you're at and who you're with at the time. In and I'm reading someone else's comment now, just so I can accuse me of plagiarism. In many corporate environments, you might be forced to make a living at. Sorry, I'll read that again. In many corporate environments that you might be forced to make a living at, never apologize and never explain is the best idea. Also, never make that mistake again. In these haunts, to apologize is looked at as a weakness. Also, never apologize to an SJW, even if you somewhat did make a mistake, as they will turn it into the witch hunt they intended. This is absolutely true, and this is my whole basis for... Uh, the modern man never apologizes. But I should probably put a caveat because this, he's got one more line. Uh, this is a commenter called Tuba Man, comment 53 here on Foxes. Um, and I'll tell you what, I'll link, to these, uh, I'll link to these in the show notes. His last line is, if you're around intelligent people and you make a mistake, then apologize and own up. He's right. You don't even have to apologize. Maybe if you're an intelligent people and you make a mistake, own up to it and then move on. I tell you what, if the Z-Man, this happened on November 10th slash November 11th. If the Z-Man had just owned up and go, yep, yeah, that was wrong. Um, and I did it because I was over out of my depth. I was out of my head, blah, 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 blah. Uh, I'll make sure it won't happen again. I tell you what, he would have got a lot of uh, he would have got a lot of um, brownie points for that, and I think his people's estimation of him would have gone up. But when you're in the spotlight, um, I first got in the spotlight of a lot of attention on me on the internet in my old video gaming MMO blog, The Noisy Rogue. Uh, back in the first year of his existence in 2010, it my first ever blog, and only game going for six months, and uh, I was playing World of Warcraft, and uh, that was when the SJWs, and we didn't back then we didn't even know what an SJW was, we didn't have a term for it, um, but uh, there was a concerted attempt by what we now know as SJWs, and a lot of them were females, in to to force Blizzard, the company who made World of Warcraft. To put more female statues in the cities around the around the, the the online environment, and I wrote a post objecting to this and saying we go to a fantasy world to escape politicisation of the world we live in. Why the hell do you have to politicise this? And it just went viral. I think it got about it got over a hundred comments, and I've been averaging three or four comments before that. I mean, it got a lot of attention, and then I did three or four follow-up posts and they got just as much attention and it, it just went batshit crazy and that set the lines. That was my first ever, this is seven or eight years ago, it was my first ever um, experience of having the spotlight shone on me. It can get very, it's very disconcerting. You you really, when, you ha- when it happens the first few times, you really start doubting yourself. Are all these people right? I mean, I just got piled on. Obviously, the word had got her out. We had to shut this guy down, and it was pile on time. And there was almost no one defending me. I will say, I will say the thing that, that probably helped me the most. There were a few commenters, and uh, my oldest commenter, and I'll give him a shout out, is a guy who goes under the, the byline of Stjonar or S J O N A R, and he he still comments on my pushing rubber downhill blog to this day and he jumped in and really really defended me um and and helped me through that so it can be look it can be really really tough when you first do it and and the z-man's been going really well but it seems like he wants to create the z-man takes the piss out of mike cernovich a lot but it's almost like the z-man wants to do a mike cernovich and wants to become a media um, personality himself. Uh, it's just the way he's going on about it. Uh, kind of, I, I've been thinking this a lot. When he first started give, giving Mike Cernovich shit, I was like, oh, cool, someone else is giving Mike Cernovich shit. It's not just me. But um, it seems like it's one of those things where you're giving someone shit because they're doing what you want to be doing. 
That's what it seems to be. Um, so the reason that my um, uh, admiration of Vox Day has gone up is so I really realised... Now, this is going to sound crazy to some of you. I think Vox Day is a very kind man. A very kind man indeed. I think he's actually a very gentle man. Um, because I think he could have well have eviscerated Z-Man much, 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 much worse. I think, I think, I think, sorry, he didn't eviscerate Z-Man. He could have, I think he could easily have eviscerated Z-Man, the Z-Man, if he wanted to. Uh, and I thought that Fox in this situation was extremely generous. I think he's a very, very kind man. He's, he, I, um, he's an attack dog. He's an attack dog, but he doesn't need to attack to make himself feel better. It's like the nicest, some of the nicest guys I've ever met have been, you know, members of elite special forces. And when I say nicest, humble, quiet reserved, kind, laugh at your jokes, generous, lovely to be around. I mean, no no edge to them or anything like that. Just the nicest, most warm-hearted fellows, and yet they're killing machines. You know. And Vo- Vox Day is an intellectual killing machine. He's a very smart guy, very smart guy. And he's operating at a certain level above. And, and my, my estimation of him has gone up of what he... He really, really, really could have smashed Z-Man to the curb and finished him. Finish him! Uh, If you don't believe me, have a look through these threads. He was... Fox almost made no comment. He just let the stuff speak for itself. He was generous. Wow. Now, you you might say... How, how on earth do you think Vox Day is a kind and gentle man if he's been um, stalking and harassing, stalking and torturing, intellectually torturing men like John Scalzi, for example, for the past five or six years? I'll tell you that the reason is because John Scalzi, Scalzi doubled down and doubled down and doubled down and doubled down and brought it completely upon himself. <laughs> Look, there's most people are stupid, or there's most people are idiots. But then there's some of those who are really, really stupid, but very, very arrogant at the same time. Like uh, I saw a thing written, there are four kinds of people. Uh, it's an advertising guy who said this. I can't remember his name right now. Um, intellect, um, intelligent and industrious. So these are the people who are smart and they're hardworking. These are the best people in the world. They get lots of stuff done, but they're also very, very smart as well, uh, in the sense that, um, well, in the sense that they're smart. <laughs> and then there's uh, intelligent and lazy. Um, for these these people are what we classify under a shame. It's it's a shame, you know. They have the intelligence to be, you know, really really amazing, but they just can't be bothered putting the work in. Often, by the way, these are people who, are in their youth, got praised a lot, whose things came to them really really easily, and were never really tested. And then when they started to get tested, they'd always been praised for being really smart, and they just didn't want to risk finding out they weren't as smart as everyone had told them that they were. And they just don't, don't end up doing anything with their lives, you know. Um, I think with kids, it's really important to praise them for what they've done, but never, never say you're really smart. Oh no, you worked really hard at this. Is the thing that you say to kids. You worked really hard. You got this because you worked really hard. Not you got this because you're really smart. You're really intelligent. Mothers do this all the time. Oh, you're such an intelligent boy. It's the worst thing you do to kids. So we've got intelligent. And industrious. We've got intelligent and lazy. Then we've got stupid and lazy. 
Uh, and that's fine, because these people are not a problem. Yes, they're stupid, and they could cause many, many, many problems in the world, but due to the fact that they're lazy, they don't. Win! Hooray! <laughs> yes, they're on social security. Yes, they're on welfare. Yes, our, our taxes are paying for them. But you know what? Probably better. It's probably worth it. <laughs> we probably save money in the long run. Shouldn't give them the vote, though. Shouldn't give them the vote. Uh, I'm not saying stupid and lazy people shouldn't get the vote. I'm saying people on social security shouldn't get the vote. Just before you start yelling at me. But then we have the most dangerous people on the planet. Stupid and industrious. These are the people you've worked with at the par in the past who were, were in the office and they had their hands everywhere and they were working really, really hard and they were stupid. They fucked everything up, but they just caused complete chaos. The ones playing ridiculous political games. And there's no need to do. The project sabot sabotages, saboteurs. The project saboteurs because he looked at them funny or something. Stupid and industrious people are the most dangerous people on the planet. John Scalzi is, a, is stupid and industrious. I, I read the first three or four pages of John Scalzi's latest book. I think I read it on Amazon, you know, when you can click on the first few pages. He's put out a lot of books. He's written a lot of books. It'd be better for the trees of the world if he stopped. Because it's a waste of paper. I mean, that, oh, wow. I mean, dumb. Dumb. But look, think of Dan Brown. Dan Brown, you know, the Da Vinci Code. Dan Brown's stupid and industrious, but that's okay in a way. Because he's just stupid and industrious, but he goes and he's not a he's not an SJW. In fact, oh, I'll make an amendment. There's a fifth one. Stupid, industrious, and an SJW, a social justice warrior. So Dan Brown is stupid and industrious, but John Scalzi is stupid, industrious, and an SJW. So there's a fifth one. That's the worst possible combination. So, of course, Vox Day is not going to be kind, gentle, and generous to someone like John Scalzi, who also picks a fight with someone like Vox. But I tell you what, uh, it was... It was a bit disappointing. Of course, as uh, old Uncle Ramus on the Woodpile Report put it, because he mentioned this as well. And he was like, yep. Uh, plagiarism is plagiarism. Uh, as uh, old Ramos says, in quoting him, there's always more to these kerfuffles than meets the eye. Um, both Fox Day and Z-Man are seekers worth reading. Neither are more flawed than I am. I shall continue to link to both as warranted. Um... It's kind of spoilt the Z-Man for me, though. It really has. It really has. Because he had some really good stuff. And the stuff of race relations... He really is one of the best writers out there. But uh, stick to what you know, guys. If you, don't, if you don't know anything... If you really don't know that much about science... Or even worse, if you think you know more about science... A subject like science than you actually do. Um, don't go writing posts called. Hang on. Um, nature finds a way, and then talk about biological realism. Don't do that. Um, because, you know, you, you'll end up plagiarising yourself and, um, and then, yeah, you're in the shit. Okay, moving right along. Keep it moving. I've got some other stuff to talk about here. Uh, bum, 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 bum. Oh, 
Um, the results of the Australian gay marriage survey came in. And just, just remember, this was a survey. It wasn't a vote. You could vote, but it was a survey. It's a survey. It wasn't a formal referendum or anything, though the police are going to take it now to make push an act through Parliament. Was a resounding yes with 61% of uh, people who voted of voting age population saying yes to gay marriage. So Australians uh, have voted for state-sanctioned uh, sodomy, basically. Um, everyone like there's there's a lot of the really the really the really amusing thing for me. By the way, um, I wrote a bunch of place posts saying this can't happen, this cannot happen, this blah 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 blah. I always knew it in my guts. I knew this was going to get through. I did. I did. That's why, it's kind of why I stopped writing about it. <laughs> I wrote my two or three pieces when the, because the, the survey's been going on for over a month or something, so even longer than that. I wrote my few pieces at the start, and I was just like, I'm not going to keep going on about this. I had no doubt in my mind. There's a reason I left Australia, and this is one of them. Oh, but Adam, you've moved to a place that was the first in the world to uh, to legalise gay marriage. Yeah, and uh, they were also the people invented liberalism and uh, they haven't gone completely cuckoo with it like uh, Anglo-Saxon nations have done, as in the case of England, and are going about to do, as in the case of Australia. I just don't want to be around it. I just don't want to be around it. I think... I think uh, Sorry, one of the, the funny I was saying one of the funniest things now is because the the people who were most against this survey in the first place ever taking place were the pro gay marriage activists because gays were going to suicide in overwhelming numbers. So how many gay suicides, guys, did we actually get? Do we have a number? Yeah, how many homos topped themselves? As a result of people being able to tick yes or no on a form. Not only that now, Facebook, my Facebook feed is alive with people celebrating, uh, all the homo worshippers celebrating the facts that sodomy is now sanctioned by the state. Sodomy. Coming to your son, your teenage son soon. It's law. It's law. Watch out. Watch out when they make it compulsory. Uh, what? What? Uh, hey, man, you got uh, Math 101 this afternoon? Nah. Nah, I've got uh, anal sex with Mr. Ginsburg. Oh, no. Sorry, man. Yeah. Yeah. Lube up, brother. Lube up. So yeah, uh, the homo activists got what they wanted. The homos will all be celebrating now in Australia. You're a minority group, guys. And when the progressives get in power, uh, you'll be amongst the first up against the wall. Guaranteed. That's what they do. That's what they do. Um, I also saw a uh, just a little funny bit from Campus Reform. Uh, a PhD uh, on small desks cause hostile environment for fat students. Um, <laughs> PhD. Heather Brown interviewed 13 fat women in college. 13. Wow. <laughs> what an enormous... Now, I don't know anything about science, but <laughs> I don't think that's a big enough uh, sample set. Hmm? And why only fat women? Why didn't Heather Brown interview at least one fat bloke? What is this, misandry? Heather Brown interviewed 13 fat women in college, finding that, quote, classroom design and furniture, unquote, especially, quote, two small desks, unquote, not only made fat women feel unwanted, oh, that's why she only, it was the combination but also perpetuate thin privilege and fat hatred. 
<laughs> what about the poor chairs that have to put up with these individuals' weight? Did she interview them? Go to the chair. What do you think? What do you what do you think when a fat person's walking down the class? What do you oh, oh, chairs are fucking we're thinking, fuck no, don't make it me. Just the same when you're sitting in an airline seat and there's the the, the plane is about they're about to close the door on the plane and you've got the seat next to you and you're like, yeah, baby, yeah, baby, I may as well be in business class, I can stretch out. And it's just like, <laughs> and the really fat fuck gets on the plane with their little piggy eyes staring out through the fat folds or the fat rolls in their face. And you know it. And people across the aisle look at you and just go, Clomp, clomp, clomp down the aisle as the captain furiously adjusts his takeoff load weight differential. <laughs> Brown argues that colleges, quote, must make attempts to alleviate the damage a hostile physical environment causes to fat women learners, unquote. What about fat men? <laughs> what is this? What, what about the... Why is there any fat chicks? Suggesting renovating classrooms with, quote, differently sized chairs and tables. Uh, Carrie, one student that Brown interviewed, lamented that she felt self-conscious in classes because of the size of the desk, saying, I can't help thinking about it. And then it would turn into like, maybe if I lose 10 pounds, I wouldn't look so fat in this desk. You reckon? You reckon if maybe you, you lost 10 pounds, you wouldn't look so fat? <laughs> Depends how fat you are, sweetheart. Might have to be 100. Just throwing that out there. Later, Carrie told Brown that she was too distracted in her classes to focus. Sometimes it's just like, do I look okay in this shirt? What if someone's looking at me weird? What if I don't look good in this shirt? What if this shirt makes my arms look fat? Can you imagine giving this person a job? Paying them money? You're a, you're a medium-sized business owner. You've got 120 employees. And you get Carrie waddling. She wants $65,000 a year. To walk around all day thinking, do I look okay in this shirt? Carrie, 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 sweetheart. Let me help you out. You don't look okay in that shirt. Oh? Oh, what's that you say? I haven't seen the shirt in question. Carrie, it's okay. I know, you don't look good in any shirt. Yeah? You wouldn't look good in a burqa. One of the full ones. What if someone's looking at me weird? People try not to look at you, Carrie. We don't want to look at you. We don't. You're an abomination. You're a, a, a walking, breathing, living example of the gluttony, pride and sloth. It permeates our society. Uh, what is going on? To fight this, Brown argues that colleges must make attempts to alleviate the damage a hostile physical environment causes to fat women learners. Why is it only chicks? Oh, she's an executive director. As the executive director of the UNCC Women and Girls Research... I need to see what this woman looks like. I'm clicking on this. Uh, Dr. Heather Brown. I can't see. Look, I'm just going to assume she's a fucking ugly fat fuck. The story of the Charlotte girl. What's this? 
Girls in schools, girls in STEM. All right, I got September, October, November, December, January, February, March. That's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven photos. Uh, all about the stuff we've got. September, black man and black baby. October, it looks like a black woman, but it could be a white woman pretending to be a black woman. November, was a white chick. December, black baby. January, Muslim, obvious woman. February, Asian. March, black woman. I'm getting the picture. I'm getting the picture. So there you go. Um, 13 sample size. <laughs> Based on a 13 sa person sample size, we want all colleges to completely... Uh, to spend millions of uh, dollars, which will be taken from the extortionist um, sums, the extortionate sums that uh, universities ask or require people to pay for having a piece of paper that says, I went to the university. Anyway. Hey, Christmas is coming up in um, Holland. And this is my first Dutch Christmas. Now, I'm hoping for a white Christmas. Um, based on the way the temperature's going, um, this could well happen. I would say today in Celsius, it was about four degrees off snow, probably. Um, it was kind of pitter-patter raining. On my, it wasn't even rain. It was like a, a mist coming down. And my breath was coming out all like a, a gigantic fog, like I was smoking a cigar or something. Um, all overcast. I, I think, you know, I think it's going to be a cold winter now. I never trust anyone trying to tell you what the weather's going to be like the, the day after tomorrow. Um, but uh, but sunspot activity in the, this year has been the lowest. Uh, I think it's been the lowest in 100 years, I read somewhere. In sunspot activity, when I first heard about the global warmings 10 or 12 or 15 years ago, whenever it was, the first thing I thought was, I did some research, blah, 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 because, you know, I was a little bit worried as well. Like, Holy fuck, we're all going to burn to death. Everyone's going, oh, you know, it's, you know, it's hydrocarbons that are causing this. It's uh, CO2. CO2 is suddenly a pollutant. And I was thinking back to my biology classes at school with CO2 being plant food, going, uh, yeah. Um, anyway, I did a little bit of research. I did a bit of reading. Uh, went back through like different tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of years ago. They've gotten the ice core samples and they work out, you know, oh, this period, the middle of the middle. I knew about the medieval warming period. This is why I was like, I was like, eh. my first, my first thing to global warming thing was like, eh. medieval warming period. They had palm trees in uh, around Oxford University or something. You know, they were making lots of wine in England. You know, Ireland was like the place to be, apparently, in the medieval warming period. Um, the other thing that really was like, got me, was just like, well, you know, all these Romans had all these towns that are now 20 foot underwater. Um, did they have automobiles back then? Yeah, I don't think so. Um, but the thing that got me interesting was the ice core samples and the different, uh, the different temperature epochs throughout throughout the last few tens of thousands of years. And I, I, I quickly was just like, I was like, well, it seems to me to be the sun. Look, there's one common denominator through all this time. We've had vol we've had periods where, where you know, asteroids, meteors have hit the earth and, you know, clouded out the sky for 100 years or whatever and killed off all the dinosaurs and set all the hydrocarbons on fire on the planet floating around the sea volcanoes spewing stuff in the air blah, blah, blah. now we've got a few cars doing a bit of this and a bit of that but the thing we've really 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 had is continuous is the sun and the sun's activity is not continuous it flares up it goes down it flares up it goes down so i've always thought that and there's researchers back this up but it gets drowned out in all the mainstream media noise and research is there it's the sunspot activity that, that drives the earth's temperature of course it is i mean we're sitting. We're sitting within within galactic spitting distance of this huge sun. 
And we're worrying about a few cars. I mean, anyway, apparently the solar activity, the solar flare activity is the lowest this year has been for a century. Um, so that leads me to believe that this could be an interesting northern hemisphere winter. And by that I mean interesting in the sense of, fuck me, it's cold? That's what I think's going to happen. So, um, speaking, by the way, speaking of, uh, you know, global warmings, um, if any of my listeners live in New York, and in particular in Lower Manhattan, I just want to say how sorry I am for you all. Because on Tuesday, June the 24th, 2008, uh, a NASA scientist, here we go, science writer, Argus Press, Michigan. NASA scientist, we're toast. We see a tipping point occurring right before our eyes, Hansen told the Associated Press before the luncheon. The Arctic is the first tipping point and it's occurring exactly the way we said it would. Taking credit for things that nature does. Hansen, echoing work by other scientists, said that in five to ten years, the Arctic will be free of sea ice in the summer. Long-time global warming's sceptic, Senator James Inhofford, Republican in Oklahoma, citing a recent poll, said in a statement, Hansen, Gore and the media have been trumpeting man-made climate doom since the 1980s, but Americans are not buying it. But Republican Ed Markey, uh, no, but Representative Ed Markey, Democrat Massachusetts Committee Chairman, said Dr. Hansen was right, and 20 years later we recognise him as a climate prophet. Beware of false prophets. Salon. While doing research 20, 12 or 13 years ago, I met Jim Hansen. Same guy, the scientist who in 1988 predicted the greenhouse effect before Congress. I went over to the window with him and looked out on Broadway in New York and said, if what you're saying about the greenhouse effect is true, is anything going to look different down there in 20 years? He looked for a while and was quiet and didn't say anything for a couple of seconds. Then he said, well, there will be more traffic. I, of course, didn't think he heard the question right. Then he explained, the West Side Highway, which runs along the Hudson River, will be underwater. And there will be tape across the windows across the street because of high winds. And the same birds won't be there. The trees in the median strip will change. Then he said, there will be more police cars. Why? Well, you know what happens to crime when the heat goes up. Fuck, that's fucking racist, mate. And so far, over the last 10 years, we've had 10 of the hottest years on record. Apparently, he also said that restaurants would have signs in the windows that read water by request only. This is NASA scientist, by the way. Whenever someone calls out, but it's NASA. It's NASA. NASA's fucked. They got to the moon. And then they fell off the grid. By the way, I was reading recently, just the other day, that the amount that has been spent on combating climate change which really means lying people's pockets, people such as Al Gore, up to this point is 51 trillion US dollars, uh, which would have paid for a fair number of Apollo missions, I reckon. Just putting that out there. Uh, continuing with this salon piece. Under the greenhouse effect, extreme weather increases. Depending on where you are in terms of the hydrological cycle, you get more of whatever you're prone to get. Well, fuck me. Was, oh, New York can get droughts, the droughts can get more severe, and you'll have signs in restaurants saying water by request only. When did he say this will happen? Within 20 or 30 years. Remember, we had this conversation in 1988 or 1989. Does he still believe these things? Yes, he still believes everything. I talked to him a few months ago and he said he wouldn't change a single thing that he said then. Well, the clock's ticking, Lower Manhattan. The clock is ticking. Because next year, 2018, is the date that NASA's top climate expert, James Hansen, predicted that by 2018, the Arctic would be ice-free and Lower Manhattan would be 
underwater, the climate prophet, it's only six weeks left to go. Six weeks. Lower Manhattan will be underwater. There you go. So listen, if, um, boys and girls, if you're listening to this podcast and you're in Lower Manhattan, I don't want you to be afraid. But whatever you do, don't watch a rerun of the day after tomorrow. Just saying. I'm just putting it out there for you. Just putting it out there. I'll link to that one as well for you. You can check that out. Shoutouts. Captain Capitalism. Uh, I did a... The great one from the Cynical Libertarian Society and I did a podcast yesterday for Cappy because he's had stuff come up and because he's had stuff come up, we've thrown away our stuff and done stuff for him. But that's what we do on the interwebs. That's what we do for each other. Um, And we did a podcast for him and that's up over at captaincapitalism.blogspot.com. He's still on Google. God's sake. Uh, if you're not familiar with Captain Capitalism, his actual name is Aaron Clary. He's a bunch of economic books, uh, such as The Bachelor Pad of Economics, uh, Worthless, Why You Should Not Get a College Degree, uh, stuff like that. They're excellent books. I think my favorite book of his is um, his one on IQ, people's high IQs and the difficulties they face. Not, not Obviously not as great as the difficulties fat by, faced by 13 fat women in chairs and the shirts they're wearing. Obviously, not even close to that level of difficulty, but still difficulties nonetheless. But obviously, if you're a white, male, heterosexual, high IQ person, well, then you don't face any difficulties at all. In fact, you are, you know, the privileged patriarchy. But you can go to his site. He also has a consultancy site called Asshole Consultancy, where he will uh, answer your questions for a fee. Um, and give you his expertise on anything, anything that you want. And if he doesn't know, he'll find out for you. In fact, part of the reason was he actually got some real economics questions, a couple of real economics questions apparently this week. So he had to uh, he had to hit those pretty hard. Um, so go check out the good Cappy. He supports me and I support him. Uh, it's a supporting world and we're all supportive of each other. To finish off, To finish off today, I want to quote another comment from Vox Day's blog. Uh, And I'll link this as well. Uh, He's got a... Vox has a post up. It's just come up about... Just before I started doing this podcast. Called A Lesson in Corporate Chaos. And uh, a quote from Vox. This is a fascinating clash of two tech CEOs on Twitter. Both of whom are quite clearly unready for prime time and are perfectly willing to blow up their own enterprises in defense of their ideologies. You have Vinay Gupta, uh, some Indian um, from a company called um, Ethereum, which is supposed to be um, open, decentralized, um, inclusive project. Blah, 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 blah. Anyway, these, and with Gab, the CEO of Gab, Andrew Torber, I think it is. Uh, and they're going at each other. And um, the CEO, Vinay Guptapa, um, to the CEO of Gab on Twitter for everyone to see. I don't deny your right to do, I don't deny your right to do what you want with your own tools and your own time. But I'm telling you this, and I'm not to, I am not to be fucked with. Most of us will not rest until we figure out how to fuck you if you colonize our platform. We are hostile to your goals, be elsewhere. Look, here's rule number one in the world for threats. Anyone who says something like, I am not to be fucked with, can easily be fucked with. (laughs) Just saying, just saying, just putting it out there. If you go around saying I'm not to be fucked with, clearly you can be fucked with. There's more. Quote from Vinay again. If you try to twist our work into a weapon for your cultural war, it will damage our attempt to transform the global economy. You will be in our way and we will fuck you. (laughs) We are smart. (laughs) In all probability, it can be done without platform changes. Get your own toys. Get off ours. Rule number two for Twitter wars. Anyone who declares they are smart in especially the plural sense are dumb as 
dog shit. Just saying. Just putting that out there. Next one from Vinay. Go and build your own infrastructure, you dumb motherfuckers. There's a bit of projection going on here. Um, Don't be fucking stupid. We have backbone. We have will. We will fight back. We have lots of Jews too. (laughs) Got to do with the price of bread. Rule number three. If you declare you have backbone and you declare you have will and you have declared that you will fight back, you have none and will do none of those things. (laughs) Here's the real point I want to make. Comment down here from a chat. Comment number 12. You can scroll down and read it. Chat called DC Sunsets. I really like this comment. I hadn't. I really like this because I haven't thought about this before. And it's on the subject of tacit cooperation. And he starts off with mentioning how after the Roman Empire fell, the Romans had concrete and the Roman Empire fell. The knowledge was lost for 1,300 years. Not only that, we actually don't... The Roman concrete's better <laughs> the ones we make. And they didn't have steel sporting rods. So not only have we, we got the concrete back, but we still don't really know what, what they did to make it so good. The point is, knowledge can be lost. Um... People are so besotted with self-satisfaction, wallowing in ignorance about the source of the cornucopia that surrounds us and saturates our existence, that almost no one can imagine that this condition is ephemeral. Did I pronounce that right? We stand on the apex of a vast pyramid of interrelated, voluntary, spontaneous transactions, each product existing at the end of a long chain of exchanges in a structure of production we can't even begin to grasp. And he gives an example. You can read a book called I Pencil by Leonard Reed, who just demonstrates this with, with a pencil. He continues, The spontaneous organisation of all of these innumerable links in the chain of production rests on tacit cooperation, which rose to a level never before seen in the history of mankind, we use, watch, and wear products that exist due to cooperation between people who not only exist in different nations, who not only speak different languages, whose cultures are all but immiscible, but also who don't even like each other all that much. This exchange illustrates how we're sailing into it. In other words, this, 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 this Twitter war between these two corporate CEOs illustrate how we're sailing into an environment where people will not cooperate anymore. Now, I know how the individual items populating our plenitude will wink out of existence. The weakest link in each item's chain of production, where people will stop cooperating in some tiny subset of the market underlying that item's layered production structure, will break. We stand on the precipice of reversal. The last 20, 50, 150, and perhaps 500 years of more, faster, better, cheaper. Of each new year bringing with it a bounty of never-before-available goodies, doodads, and trinkets is about to invert. The uptrend was built on growing trust and cooperation. The downtrend will be characterised by distrust and rage. Because no, we cannot all just get along. Great. Great comment. Really, 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 really great. Because it's true. I left out the last line, which is, it's not, it's not just okay to be white, it's positively wonderful. I suppose I should include that, because the point he's making is, it's going to revert back. Look, freedom of political association has been one of the key points to um, the success of humanity in the last 200 years. Freedom of political association. You can meet 
talk politics and not be arrested, thrown in jail and executed, tortured and all your goods confiscated. You can vote for a candidate in an election and the way you vote is not going to be held against you in your workplace or your social life. In the last ten, in the last decade, we've lost it. And it's happened really fast. And it's just continuing apace. We've lost, we're losing trust. And we're, we're losing an environment where people are willing to cooperate. And you won't have your doodads. I did, I did consultancy work when I was in Italy for a, a company, a little company called, a big company actually called Costa Group. And they make in aerosol cans the little, little tiny thing that you press down, the little, little bit at the very top of the aerosol can with the, you press and the stuff comes out of, that little bit. They've got like 11 or 12 factories around the world. That's all they make. They make them for Unilever, they make them for all these, all these big, all these companies. If you've got like some CRC in a spray on your chain of your motorbike or, you know, whatever, some Mortine bug spray, blah, blah, blah. They make the little bit. Italian company. They make that little bit. And when I first did some consultancy work for them, oh, this was 15 years ago, I was, just, I was really amazed. Because I hadn't really thought about it before. Manufacturing. Just thought, you know, you bought a can of Mortine to push, that's an Australian push, to spray the flies. And you bought the can of Mortine. Oh, Mortine. Mortine didn't make the little doodad on the top. Costa Group. All this cooperation. And it's all, we're starting to lose that trust. It's going to be an interesting world, boys and girls. Buy some land, get a pig. This has been the Pushing Rubber Podcast with your host, Adam Piggott. I hope you've enjoyed it. Um, you can go, you can follow my um, podcast by clicking follow there. I'm over 100 followers now. Took me a while to get over 100. And now it's kind of creeping along nicely. So thank you to all those people who follow me. Um, spread this around. Tell your friends, tell your enemies, tell your ex-girlfriends. Um, and you can follow me on my blog, Pushing Rubber Downhill, which I just passed 200 subscribers so people are going to get every every day when i when i post something they get the email there it is tick tick happy about that and i post every day sometimes not on sundays though come on we gotta have a rest day uh and you can buy my two books pushing rubber downhill a journey to manhood via whitewater adventures how i became a man how i made a man of myself and run guts pull cones a rafting adventure in the italian alps uh, that's more of a fun one, more of a funny one. Um, podcast comes out every Wednesday. This will be at the same time next week. Don't you go changing. See you then. <laughs>